You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. I feel like at least the projector was ready for the message. Good morning. It's great to be here. I am so thankful to the people who came before us to prepare this place that we might meet with the Lord together here. How important the times we meet individually with the Lord in our own prayer closet, in our own home, in our own inner man, but how important to come together as the family. I want to echo one of the announcements Craig shared, the grief share. As we mentioned in prayer, and as you know, there are people grieving, there are people hurting. We live in a world that has decided to run away from the Lord instead of to Him. We have found the Lord, and He's found us, and we are called citizens of another kingdom, but we live in this place. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And in this world, before the Lord returns, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But he's working with us, and he's near us, and he's close to us in that trouble. The Bible calls us the hands and feet of Jesus, that he's the head and we're the body. So I want to encourage you, if you have just a a nudge, or if I could give you a nudge, or if you need a push, come see me as soon as I say amen at the end of the service. But I want to encourage you to go for a moment to the grief share meeting. And get some information and pray and see if the Lord might use you as a facilitator or support in that ministry. Because people in our community and in our church are hurting and we have some um, information and we have some groups that we can invite them to where they can encounter the Lord's help. And so I want to encourage you. you. You may be wrestling with, I don't have time. I understand. I grant you an extra an hour a day. Take it. Nobody wanted it. Give it back. I need it. You may be wrestling with, I'm not the one. I couldn't do that. I want you to know that's true. But in Christ, you can do all things through strength, who strengthens you. So go to that meeting. It will be just in the hallway, across from the restrooms, in the offices of our church. I want to encourage you today. There is some living demonstration of the Lord's goodness and mercy. Miss Allie is here with us. She hasn't been for a little while. Not only is she back from her injury, they tried to break her bones, but look at her. She's just sitting there, beautiful as ever. Miss Sally, it's good to see you. Not only is she here today, it's her birthday this week. So there are some celebrations in our church and some celebrations coming to your life. Part of the story God is writing. Miss Sally is a physical example of how the Lord is going to put you together and bring you to times of refreshing and to times of blessing and to birthday parties. And I talked to her son yesterday, and I said, anything we can do for the party, just save me two pieces of cake. Also in the, audience, the congregation today is Miss Osborne. She's been out for many months nursing the injury and surgery. She's right there. When I talk to Miss Osborne and Miss Allie, when I talk to them, it's, I'm always encouraged. They're always doing, I feel worse than they do, and they're the ones going through the stuff. Miss Osborne will talk to me, and she says, I'm coming out. I'm in it right now, but I'm coming out of it. The Lord told me I'm coming out of it. I'm coming through it. Today she told me, the Lord told me my path is going, and it's going to get sweeter every step of the way from now on. So I just think if the Lord loves Miss Osborne like that, I'll either stand close to her, or maybe she, he loves me that much too. I'm just claiming that for my own life, that the, the path is going to get sweeter as it goes. We're glad for these ladies to be back with us today. Maybe you haven't been here in a hot minute, and you're like, why are not you mentioning me? 
Well, let me mention you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for being here. We miss you when, we're not, when you're not here. We're glad when you come back. Those of you who are here all the time, just give yourself a little extra check on your envelope in front of you. Let us be the people who look like Jesus and have open arms when that person who hasn't been for months comes back through the door. Oh, I've seen some bad examples of what to say. Have you ever heard this? You come back to the place and they go, well, look what the cat drug in. Thank you, brother. I feel so welcome here in this place. Or you walk in and they're like, well, where have you been? But it's with that look, you know, that one eye that's like that. Where, where have you been? You're like, I don't think you want to sit down and talk with me about my last six months. But if you do, let's do it. Let us be the people who have a smile and we're just glad to see them. If they want to share their story, let's listen. But let's don't start getting the notes out and critiquing it. Man, has he even started preaching yet? No, I haven't. And I hope I get over those, to those notes. But I'm glad to see some people today. And some people, it took a lot to get here. All right? I got five women at my house helping me get here, so I got extra help. Some people had to do it all by themselves. If you don't know me, I have one wife and four daughters. I don't want you thinking crazy. We don't know what people come through that door with, what they've been through, what they threw off to get through the door, what they fought through to get here. When they get here, it needs to be rest. It needs to be welcome. It needs to be peace. It needs to be what the Lord would look like. Kindness, mercy, new every morning. And I want to encourage you, we will not be that good at it. But our goal will be that we are. But even when we encounter, even in the body of Christ, when we encounter the difficulty, David said, if my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me in. Our hope is not in how good each of us is going to be, but in how good God is. But in that hope of how good God is, we hope some of it's rubbing off. Lord, that I would look more like your son every day and less like who I used to be. All right. Everybody say, all right. It looks like he's looking at his notes and maybe we're getting started. I'm glad to be here today. I don't even want to think about where I would have been had the Lord not helped me put all the things in my path. There's a lot going on in our church. You've seen the announcements. We've got calendars out there. You can get those electronically. You can get them on paper. You can just come see me, and I'll just tell you everything that's going on. But one thing I want you to know, there's, after that lunch next week, and I hope you'll all be here, hope you invite some friends. I have never eaten here when the food was not just perfect. But after that lunch, we're going to have a business meeting. Business meeting sounds kind of like, yeah. But we're going to look at what the Lord allowed us to do and helped us to do last year, and we're going to celebrate some things, and we're going to talk about vision for what's coming. So I want to encourage you, if you're a member of our church, please be here. If you're thinking about being part of our church, come and see a little behind the scenes and some details. If you're not a member, but you're just always here, well, then you come too, because we're considering you all family. Is that good? That's next week after lunch. After Fernando feeds me, then I'm going to try to lead a meeting. I hope you'll come. The title for today's message is Wells, like a water well, W-E-L-L-S. I hope that's how you spell it, Wells. As we think about Wells, it might be difficult for us because some of us just turn on the water and water comes out. We don't even think about where that came from. 
Some of us, the city's just helping us out. Some of us live outside the city, and we have a well, and we need it to not freeze. When it freezes, we need it to work. We need that pump to work and all that. Some of us think a little bit more about it. There are other cultures in our world where the well is the main thing, and you got to get up and walk and take your bucket and fill it up and walk back. But one thing for sure that wells are, they produce water, they supply water, and water is a life source. You're not living too long without water. So with that in mind, let's stand and read our scripture today and then talk a little bit about wells. John 7, 28, Jesus was teaching in the temple, and he called out to them. He said, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him, speaking of his father. But I know him because I come from him, and he sent me to you. The leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because it wasn't his time. I don't know if you've experienced that, but you can live for Jesus, and it can cost you a little bit. Many among the crowd at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? So some people want to arrest him, some people want to believe in him. But the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things, and the leading priests sent the temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I'm only going to be with you a little longer, then I will return to the one who sent me. You'll search for me, but you'll not find me, and you cannot go where I am going. The Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where is he planning to go? Is he thinking of leaving the country, going to see the Jews in the other lands? Maybe he'll even go teach the Greeks. What does he mean when he says, you'll search for me but not find me? You cannot go where I'm going. I'm glad I'm not always the only one confused by what the Lord is saying. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, if any one of you is thirsty, you may come to me. If any one of you believes in me, come to me and drink. The scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from your heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, capital S, who would be given to everyone who believed in him. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. Let's pray. Father, we ask you by the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit to teach us that faith would come by the hearing of your word. And that we would live by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus is speaking and he's teaching as he always does. And people are misunderstanding and understanding. And people are deciding to follow him though they don't have all the information. Other people are deciding to kill him. And then everything in between, following and wanting to kill him. And the same continues today. The nations are raging against God. They don't want anything to do with him. Get your chains off of us, it says in Psalm 2. There are others that even on this moment in this day, maybe even in this room, will decide to follow Jesus and believe that he's the son of God. And then there's a lot in between. They've heard it. They might not. They haven't decided. Or they're like, yeah, I'm good. Such a spectrum. Jesus was saying, I'm here, and you, don't, you know where I'm coming from, where I was born, because the people were saying, we won't know where the Messiah is coming from. It's going to be a mystery. That wasn't true because the Bible predicted that he would come from Bethlehem. So the people were confused because they're like, well, how can we know where Jesus is from? So Jesus said, you know where I'm from, but you don't know my father. 
And even though they were the people of God, he was like, you don't have the whole picture. And, he, and then he invites them into the picture. He says, I'm here right now, but I'm going to be gone, speaking of his death and resurrection and seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he invites them into this relationship where living water will come out of them, where life would be inside of them, where they wouldn't have to come to Jesus, but Jesus would live in them by his spirit and by his presence. Now, we can explain all that and we can put it into sentences, but it's, it's miraculous. It's divine. It's a mystery. It's God living inside of us by his spirit, making our dead spirit alive. And Jesus puts it this way. Come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if life hasn't satisfied you. Come to me if you got a bad taste in your mouth from what's going on. Come to me if you are about to die because you need life. And he's using a physical metaphor to talk about a spiritual issue and invitation. And Jesus invites those people. Some received the invitation and some didn't. And in our world today, some of us have received the invitation of Christ to come to him, to not just know about him, but to know him. And with that invitation, it has changed our life. And then others are still deciding and then others have decided they want nothing to do with it. I want to tell you about a lady who received that invitation. Her name is Amanda Barry Smith. She called herself the washerwoman evangelist. I have some notes from a few articles about her life, but when I think about her, I think about someone who received this invitation, this invitation to come if you're thirsty and in need and receive living water. It's an invitation that's open to everyone. Let me just tell her, tell you a little bit about her life, if I might. She was born in 1837. She grew up the daughter of slaves. She came to saving faith while she was working as a domestic servant at the age of 13. She was on the back row of a Baptist church and heard a lady speak, and the lady prayed for her, and she decided, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. She resolved to live for God, and at the age of 17, she married a man. They had two children. One died. He joined the Civil War and never returned. So she was widowed, one child dead, and the mother of one. She married a second husband. They lived in New York. He died of cancer. Of the five children that Amanda had, only one would live. At the age of 29, she found herself twice widowed and a single mother, hiring herself out for domestic help. Her days were long. Endless piles of laundry, dishes, scrubbing, and cleaning. And in her autobiography, she writes this about the living water that can be inside of a person, regardless of what's on the outside. I found out that there was not necessary to be a nun or to be isolated way off in some deep retirement to have communion with Jesus. But though your hands might be doing the work of your daily business, that does not stop the soul's communion with Jesus. Many times over, my washtub and my ironing table, and while making a bed and sweeping a house and washing dishes, I have had some of the richest blessings. Miss Smith had learned that God was on the inside of her, and that what was on the outside of her, though it might be difficult, twice widowed, four children lost, suffering from the difficulties of racism and her place in society 
and yet she found life on the inside, even while her hands might be in someone else's washing tub. She began to serve and became part of the holiness movement. And there's a lot about the holiness movement, but one big thing about it was that they would articulate that God and Jesus wasn't just an accessory to your life to make it better, but in a relationship with him, the person in relationship with Jesus, change had to happen. They called it sanctification. Oh, we see it in our world today. Oh, I like to thank God for this and God bless that. And then you look at the life and you're like, how do you talk like that? How do you act like that if God is so important to you? And a lot of that is just us needing to mature in Christ. But Ms. Barry and the people of the holiness movement would say, there needs to be some kind of change in our life. If the living God now lives inside of us, something ought to be different. I mean, you expect less than that from your iPhone. I, when I plug it in, something ought to happen. That light better come on that says it's charging. Because you know I can't make it about 30 minutes with my phone dead. We would expect something to happen if we got plugged into the electrical socket. How much more if we get plugged into the life of Christ? And so Ms. Barry became an evangelist. And she traveled foreign countries, two orphanages she built in America, and a life with so much difficulty and so much against it, she became a living well, or Christ became a living well inside of her. I'd like to read you one more thing that she wrote. It's an experience she had with the Lord. After losing two husbands, after deciding, and after just asking, like we sometimes ask, Lord, are you really with me? And am I really headed in the right direction? She was approaching a service, and she said, a wave came over me, such a welling up in my heart. How I, ha how I lived through it, I cannot even tell. The power of God meeting her. But that power came, and I can never describe it. Oh, what a glory filled my soul. The great vacuum in my soul began to fill up. It was like pleasant, cool water, and I felt it. I wanted to shout glory to Jesus. And just as I put my foot on the top step, I seemed to feel a hand that touched me. I cannot describe it. It seemed to press me gently on the top of my head, and I felt some part of it roll down over me, almost like a coat. I felt it distinctly. It was done in a moment, and oh, what a mighty peace and power took possession of me. That's from her autobiography. Living water, Jesus said, not that you have to go get, but that will be supplied from the inside out. I want some of that. I want the person who that is. Jesus calls himself the living water. Our verse for today, on the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and shouted, anyone. Are you anyone? The basketball team. I need the tall, athletic guys. The UIL academic team. I need the smart girls. And if they make a smart guy, I'll take him too. Just joking. Come on. Different organizations, different groups. They want a different kind of person, the person that does this and the person that does that. Jesus says, I have an open invitation to anyone. You are qualified as an anyone, but to the Lord, you're someone. Anyone who wants to come, and it's our thirst that recognizes the need in us to go to him. 
Had we not had that thirst, that hunger, some of this pain in our life, it's a blessing because it's so difficult, but it leads us to our knees or to the place of calling out to God. Most of us wouldn't have called out to him if everything was smooth sailing. We would have thought we were managing our life just well. But when the difficulties of life come, because we live in a world running away from God, we realize, Lord, I need you. I need something outside of myself. My own strength can only get me this far. And Jesus says, anyone, 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 this church needs to be an anyone kind of church because we want to follow God who says anyone. For God so loved the world that whoever, oh, I need to hear that. I need to repeat that. I need to know that living water is offered to anyone, not just the one that can get their stuff together, not just the one that has a great haircut, not just to the white one or the brown one or the black one or whatever other color there could be, not just to the tall one or the short one, the rich one, the poor one. Anyone, anyone, is anyone thirsty? And the answer is everyone is thirsty. And if someone can recognize that thirst, it means God's already walking in, working in them. And who am I going to be if someone says I'm thirsty and I'm coming to try to find out who this living water is? Who am I going to be to stop him at the door and go, "Mm, not like that, you're not coming in here. Not like that, whatever that is. Not because you did that, looked like that, said that, your past is that, your present is that. Not any of that. Jesus said anyone because he's not willing that any perish. And no matter how we classify and move and group, the Lord doesn't. The Lord goes, I have my sheep and I have the ones I'm going to get. And then we decide if we're going to come. And at the end, he separates only into two groups. Sheep and goats, those I know and those I don't know. And he's willing that everyone would know him. Anyone's thirsty, come and drink. So today, I want you to think of that water as a well, a source, a supply. Jesus told one woman, if you have this water, you'll never thirst again. This isn't just drinking water. This is the life source that has no end to it. And it can be inside of us where we don't have to go get it, but it's deposited into it. It lives in us. And I can talk about it, and you're like, yeah, you can talk a lot. And I, but I still can't, we still can't come, come seek, uh, understand it to the, to the total of what it is because it's so divine and so otherworldly. But we put our words to it, and we say, God wants to live in us by his spirit. And we can receive that. Jesus said, you think you know me. You don't know my father. I'm going, you can't come, but I'm going to send my spirit. And if my spirit lives in you, it's going to be like a well of living water. I'd like to look at two wells in one woman's life in the Old Testament. First, I'm going to call it the well of revelation. Revelation is a great church word. It means revealing or understanding. It's like when my five-year-old goes, ta-da, and now you see it. It's a good church word. It's a big word, revelation. I have revelation. It means seeing something, understanding something. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, 
Sarah and Abraham are married. God's promised them they're going to be the father of a nation, a great nation, like sands on a shore, but they haven't had any children. And because God's plan's taking longer than they want to, Sarah says, you take my slave and sleep with her. That was customary in their culture. If you couldn't have children, then a servant would have children in your place, a surrogate. So she does, but that creates this jealousy between the servant Hagar and, and between Sarah. And so in all of this jealousy and all this fighting, I don't know, I've never seen two women argue, but in the Bible it happened, and, and Hagar goes, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, and she runs away. And it says in verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel of the Lord found her. She had found some water in the wilderness because she needed life. She had found a spring. The Bible even tells us where the spring was. And she had managed to run away and find water. And in that running... The Lord finds her and he says, where are you going and where are you coming from? And she says to the Lord, I'm running away from Sarah. And the Lord in that encounter by that spring tells her, you need to go back. And he says, you're going to have a son and I'm going to bless him. You're going to name him Ishmael. And he tells her all about her son. So he gives her direction and he gives her revelation about her life. But at the end of the story... She says, I had heard about you. She says in verse 13, it says that Hagar used another name to call the Lord. She said to him, you're the God who sees me. So I'd like to look at that for a second. First, I'd like you to make note that the Lord found her. She didn't find the Lord. And the Lord found you. You didn't find him. He loved you first and wooed you to himself in his great love. And gave you the faith to say yes to him. He's done it all. And then he just puts the words in our mouth so we can say, Dad, I helped. The Lord found her. He found her beside a spring in the wilderness. We're all searching for a life source. We're all searching for help. We're all dry in some area of our life. We all need help in some area. And we're looking for a source. And you got to be careful in this world because there's a lot of bad sources. A lot of sources that offer you a real good beginning, and then the payback, oh my goodness, it may cost you for the rest of your life. The Lord found her running away from something, but not with really an idea of where she was running to. She said, I'm running away from. But if you're running from something, it would be a good idea to know where you're going, because you might not know if you got there if you didn't know where you were going. So she's running from something. And then in the encounter, God gives her instructions and a few plans for her life. Now, he doesn't lay it all out because he never does. There has to be an aspect of faith. But when the Lord finds us, he does the same thing. He tells us a little direction. I mean, there's a whole Bible full of that. And then he tells us a little bit about our life. Maybe it's that he's loved us and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He knows the plans he has for us, that they're good and for our future. And then in that encounter at this well of revelation, she now calls God another name. I, I wrote it down like this. She knew about him, but now she knew him. She was from Egypt. Maybe she didn't even serve 
him. Maybe she had other gods, or maybe she had just heard about Abraham talking like, I met God, and he's called us out here, and we're in this wilderness, and we're in this land, and he's got these promises. Maybe she just heard it in the house. But she says to the Lord, you're the God who sees me. And then in the next breath, she says, and I have seen the one who's seen me. This beautiful relationship, God reveals himself, she learns more about him and her, and she responds with, and I know you. At this well, they named it Bear, well, I'm not even going to try to say it. It means the well of the living one who sees me. Now, I want you to look at these two verses. Very interesting to me. The Lord finds her by a spring of water, but she names it in verse 14 after this thing. It's, it's called a well. And I looked it up in the Hebrew. I looked it up in the Hebrew. I looked it up in, thank you, thank you, thank you. You really just have to type it in the search bar. But I looked it up. It's actually two different words. It's actually two different words. It's a spring of water in verse 7, and then it's a well in verse 8. But those aren't the same things. I mean, they're similar. You can make a well where there's a spring, but you can't just build a well and then hope a spring finds it and gets into it. But it means something to me. At this well of revelation, it means something to me. And, and I'm not real smart, but this is what it means to me. There's a time when we're looking for life source. We run across a spring, and if it's the Lord meets us there, then we realize this is for God and it's divine, and we need to build something around it. We need to make it a place. What's a spring? That's somewhere you stop and get water while you're going somewhere else. What's a well? That's where you, you live by a well. You build a well. You take care of the spring by digging out and building a wall around it so that nothing happens to the well. Hagar was on her way somewhere and needed a drink. She met God and was like, I need to be here. When you have revelation from God, build a well there. When you find out, I don't know what happened, but it was that one day in church and I just knew the Lord loved me. Dig a hole, build a well, put rock around it so nothing can get into it, so the walls don't collapse. Make that a place you return to and you go back to. The well of revelation, you need to dig it in a place where you met God and you need to return to it often. I don't know a lot of things, but I've been convinced by the presence of God right here at this altar that he loves me. And sometimes when everything on the outside is going wrong, I just go into that deep place. Jesus said it would be inside of me. And I go into that deep place and I visit it. And I get refreshed, not because of everything's great out here, but because down in here, there's a love that will never leave me and never forsake me. And he told me that. And then in these last 53 years, he's proven it. And so I visit that well. Many people will visit the Lord as a spring, and they'll take what he's got to get them a little further on where they're running to, but then they leave him where he was. If you read the articles about churches declining and all of this, to me, that's one of the issues. When God can help me, help me. When I'm good, I'm good. And then I hope I find him somewhere down the road. Hagar turned this place from a spring into a well. You don't necessarily have to be at this church, but you need to be at a church. You need to be somewhere where everybody's digging. And they're not only digging to get deeper and deeper with the Lord into the source, into the source, but they're also putting protection around that source. 
so that mud doesn't get in there and animals don't get in there, so that there's a well and it's protected. You know what we usually do? We build our walls to keep God out sometimes. No, we want to build the walls to keep him in where other stuff can't come in and mess up that well. The well of revelation, this is what's happening in your life, in my life. God's revealing more about himself. You see a sunset or something happens in your life or every now and then I say something that makes sense or your grandma's still praying for you or something happens and you're like, oh, it's, it's, I'm getting a clearer picture. Stop there. Remember that. Build a well around it and visit it. Go back to it. Don't keep running. Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, they can come and drink. Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table for me and my cup overflows. The well of revelation. Let's just ask the Lord real quickly. Let's pray. Lord, spring up inside of us. Reveal more to us of who you are. We want to know you. Let us know you. Let us dig deeper. In Jesus' name, amen. Second, and there's only two today, the well of revival. Hagar goes back. She has her son, Ishmael. And then later, Sarah gets pregnant herself because God said she would. And she has a son named Isaac. And as they're growing up, there's this jealousy again between the two boys, and Sarah's had it, and she can't take it, and she tells Abraham, get her out of my house, and Abraham's like, oh, what do I do? I did that almost like I knew, knew about it. And he goes, Lord, and the craziest thing, the Lord goes, do whatever your wife says. You can read it. It's in the scripture. And, his, and her wife says, get her out of here. And then early in the morning, Abraham packs up a sack lunch and a canteen of water and sends Hagar and her son off. I want to tell you, you may feel like you've been sent off. The, the, the church, the leader, somebody, they may have done the best they can. They may have even said, God said, give you a sandwich and a water bottle. I don't know. But nothing that anyone does can stop what God's doing in your life if you'll stay with the Lord. So it says in Genesis 21... 8 through, 8 through 21, that she's traveling, and she runs out of the sack lunch, and she runs out of the water, and she's like, I'm going to die. It says she was wandering in the wilderness. It makes me wonder, why didn't you go to the well that you knew about from the last time? I don't want to say that where she can hear me up in heaven. <laughs> you know why? Because she'd be like, well, let's just list your wells, Matt, and all the time. She, no, thanks, Hagar. You just stay up there, and I'm down here making a point. It says she was wandering in the wilderness. You know why? Because she's hurt, because she's alone, because she doesn't know how she's going to provide for her son. There's a lot of reasons why she didn't remember the well. But she runs out of water. She lays the child down, and she goes over here, and they're both screaming and crying. She can't bear to see the child die of starvation and dehydration, and so she's over here crying. And it says, and the Lord heard. The God who sees her also hears her. And it says the Lord heard her. And says, what are you doing? Pick up your baby. And it says in these verses that the Lord opened her eyes. God opened Hagar's eyes. Guess what she saw? A well. She's about to lay down and die right next to a well. But in her pain, in her struggle, in her misery, she can't see the well. Thank God our life doesn't just depend on what we can do. Now, we would criticize her, 
like I was just doing. And we would say, you should have known, and why didn't you do this, and why didn't you just behave in Abraham's house so you didn't get kicked out? But the Lord would say, I hear you, and I provide for you. And he shows her where a well is, and look what happens. She gets up quickly and fills her water container back up and gives some to her son. This is what I call the well of revival. When it's all a mess, when we're tired and dry, we've known the Lord in one season of our life, and we're looking for him in the next. The Lord will open our eyes, and he'll say, there's a well right there. And it's usually right by us. It's usually right there. Jesus said it like this. Do the things you always used to do. He said it to the church. You feel far from me? You are far from me. Do what you did at first. What did we do at first? We prayed. We met together. We met alone. We read the Bible. We asked people questions. We talked about the Lord. We returned to those things. There's a well right next to us. Oh, God, open our eyes. Let's just ask him. Lord, open our eyes to what you're doing right next to us, to where you are right beside us, to where you even are inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it says the Lord found her, and it says the Lord heard her. This time she was sent away. She wasn't running. This time she was sent with inadequate supply because people don't make good gods. People don't make good gods. You don't want Abraham to be your God. Your dad, maybe. Your uncle, cool. Your God, no. Limited supply. She wandered aimlessly in the wilderness. Do we feel like that? I don't even know where to go. She laid down and gave up. The water was gone, but God heard. She remembered he's the one who sees me. Now I know he's the one who hears me. And he comes to her. He instructs her. He reminds her of the promises. If you read the scripture, he says, remember I told you this is what's going to happen to Ishmael. He's not going to lay down and die. He's going to be this and this and this. At the end of the story, in these verses, she's going to find him a wife. And he, in the desert that was going to kill him, he's going to live and prosper. Because there's a well. There's a source. It doesn't matter what the world desert makes. If your source is God, then you have living water wherever you go. And you don't just have to go to it like you have to go to an altar like we talked about last week. But it goes with you. It's in you. One saint said this, I spent a lifetime looking for God on the outside only to find out he was on the inside. Now, the world can really mess that up and make us think we're all gods and there's some kind of energy in us and all that. That's not what it's saying. It's saying in Christ, he now dwells in us. And so we build an altar up to God, but we dig a well down deep into God, and all of that takes place in our hearts. We become the altar. We become the well. And Jesus is the life inside of it. We've got to dig down deep. So if you're going to spend your energy, don't spend it laying down and dying. Don't spend it giving up and crying. Spend it digging down deep in that well. That's going to mean I don't have time for some other things that would take well digging time up. That means I might have to get up early and dig while it's cool and dig till till I find the water. One scripture in the Bible says, plant your field first, then build your house. You could translate that into dig the well first before you go to the vacation. We got to be digging deep. When God opened her eyes and when God opens our eyes, we find that there are wells waiting and we need to go to them and fill up. Did you know there are people that find out there's a well, there's a source, and they go, "Mm, 
No, I'm going to go get something from over there. As I'm closing, I'll just tell you one great example. I love it. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Moses goes to Pharaoh. He's doing all these plagues to show that God's God and his God's not and to let my people go. Have you heard the story? One of the plagues is frogs. Now, I'm already out of time, so I'm not going to tell you how much I love frogs. Pharaoh's sick of the frogs. They're everywhere. He opens his car door. There they are. They're falling out of the pantry. He's punching the remote. It's a frog. Pharaoh goes, fine, take them out of here. Just leave. And Moses looks at him and goes, I'm going to let you decide when the frogs leave. Pharaoh, I leave it to you to decide when you want the frogs gone. Exodus chapter 8, you can read it. I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't read it myself. You know what Pharaoh says? Tomorrow. Bro, you're getting rid of frogs in my house? I'll tell you, 10 minutes ago. Your God can do all that? He can do a 10 minute, like rewind. Yesterday. God's power in front of him and the power to relieve something from him. And he says, tomorrow. God will show you a will. And if you're not careful, your own pride and your own whatever, your own hurt will make you say, I'll fill my cup tomorrow. I can do one more day. No, 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 no. When our eyes open, go fill it up right then. Before you're dying of thirst, fill it up again. There are wells. He is the well. In Jeremiah, it says this. O Lord, the hope of Israel. If anyone turns away from you, they'll be disgraced. They'll be buried in the dust. For they abandon you, the fountain or the well of living water. If you choose a different well you'll end up buried in the dust. Choose the Lord, you live forever. And then there's this danger that once we find the well, we could do something wrong. Look at this. My people have done two evil things. They abandoned me, the well of living water, and they dug themselves another well, which is just cracked and can't even hold water. Here's the beauty of God's mercy. When we come with all our broken wells, all the things we tried that didn't work, he doesn't go, told you so. He says, come to me if you're thirsty, and I'll give you living water. Would you stand with me? Today we need to decide. Maybe we need the well of revelation. Lord, open my eyes. I want to know you. I want an encounter with you. I don't want you to be the God I heard about. I want you to be the God I know. Or maybe we need the well of revival. We've known the Lord, but we're so dry right now, we need to come back to him. The Lord's water is enough for any of that. The invitation today is like Jesus, come, come. You can come forward and talk and pray, or you can just stay in your seat and come to the Lord in your own heart, in your own mind. But Jesus invites you to come. Look at these words. With joy, you will draw water from the well of salvation. I'm taking that verse home. My sorrow will be turned to joy, and I'll draw my own salvation out of the well of God. Look at this verse, John 4. Whoever drinks this water, never thirsts again. I'll give him water springing up to eternal life. And then Revelation, the last of the Bible, it says, The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God to the Lamb. Jesus says, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to him and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from the inside. We're going to sing a very short verse, and I'm going to close in prayer. This is the time where we respond to God. 
where we say, Lord, I knew a little about you. Now I know more about you. You see me. Lord, I was dry and you put a well there and I can come and drink. It's all metaphorically. It's all uh, an analogy, a, a, a picture. But in the real, I can give my life to God and drink from him. Lord, help us to respond to you in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray or sing together for a moment and then I'll close this in prayer. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.